Welcome to the show. Well, this is a bucket list episode for me. I've got David Duchovny on the show. And a quick shout out to Clint Schweitzer from On the Road to Rock. He had David on his show as well. Everyone check out his podcast and subscribe to his YouTube channel, Starcade Media. I put that in the show notes. And I was even a guest on his show, the episode where we compare the first two Wasp albums. A lot of fun. Uh, But back to David Duchovny. In case you didn't know who he was, he was on this hit show called The X-Files. He won a Golden Globe for Best Dramatic Actor. And then he had another hit show, and my personal favorite, Californication, where he won another Golden Globe, this time for Comedic Actor. And uh, I think the only other person to win Golden Globes for both drama and comedy TV show is Kelsey Grammer. So great uh, company he's in there. And uh, besides acting... David has written four books, and one called Truly Like Lightning is going to be a TV miniseries. Uh, He's a really smart guy, too. He actually went to Yale, and he almost had his PhD. He did everything except the dissertation. And he also does music, and that's why he's here today to promote his new album, Jesterland. It comes out August 20th, or if it's past August 20th, and it's already out. And uh, it's actually his third musical album, and I was pleasantly surprised at how good his music really is. It's uh, it's in that Lou Reed, Bob Dylan kind of bluesy folk rock vein, and uh, just some really catchy songs. So check out this interview and give his music a spin on Spotify and see what you think. Um, He's a really fascinating guy, and it's just amazing how he can be so successful at so many things. And I really enjoyed our chat, and I hope you do too. So here it is. I can't believe I'm saying this, but welcome David Duchovny to the Chuck Shoot podcast. How are you doing today? I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I was just yeah. admiring what's behind you, and I'm seeing Ali, Abbey Road, Warrant. I don't know which quarterback that is. Who is that? Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, Seattle. And who's on the right? Oh, Star Wars. Okay, Star, Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is the uh, the macaroni, or what's a Fusilli Jerry from Seinfeld. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan. <laughs> All right. All right. That's good. It's you covered yeah. a lot of bases back there. Yeah, I tried well, to. Yeah. Well, so I'm the, only, I'm the only confusing thing to me is Warren. That's I'm a big hair metal fan. I don't know if that's right. a good thing or a bad thing. I know Sebastian Bach did your show, uh, California yeah. Yeah. and you've had a lot of cool like metal stars. I like yeah. all kinds of music though. Yeah. I love your new album, Jesterland. Yeah. It's out August 20th. I definitely want to talk a lot about that. Um, I just have a handful of questions about some other stuff about yeah. your journey, if that's okay. Yeah, on uh, on Californication we had we had Manson. We had I did a, I directed and was in a scene with Zach Wild. Uh, yeah, Tommy Lee was in it, and uh, and Sebastian Bach, obviously. Yeah, he's a he's a handful, isn't he? He's he's a ball of energy. My God, my God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but so I'm so fascinated by your success. How you're so good at so many things. And I think it comes back to me. I look at you and I go, okay, there's a lot of people that sit on the sidelines and complain. And then there's people that jump in and just do it. And I think that goes back to what your mother taught you at a young age. There was a phrase, a Gaelic phrase. I don't want to butcher it, but basically it was something like, unless someone is hitting you over the head with a brick, you shouldn't complain. Do you think that influenced your life in a way? Uh, Absolutely. Um, you know the 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 ability to withstand pain, you know, without being a, a without being a masochist, is a very important uh, talent to cultivate in life. And I don't I don't say that glibly. I just think, you know, life is difficult, and and it's uh, 
failure. You know, people, my son uh, plays baseball, and I always say, you know, that cliche that people are in the Hall of Fame who fail seven out of ten times. They're in the Hall of Fame. So true. So that's life. Like thinking about life is that way. You're going to fail way more than you succeed. So that's painful. And the more you can deal with that pain, the more experiences you can have because you're not going to just sit there and fear it. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could suck. I could fail. People wouldn't like me for a day or two or a week or a year or 10 years. But, you know, so what? Ultimately, I just got to deal with that pain, maybe learn from it if there's anything to learn from it and keep going. Yeah. And then, you know, you got into this, you got a scholarship at this collegiate boys school and you, and you say you worked your ass off yeah. and you were terrified not to get straight A's. Is that just because the fear of losing the scholarship and disappointing your parents or was it, was there something else? Or uh, It's hard to say at this point, because obviously I've, I've been kind of driven. Uh, mm-hmm. So maybe it's in me, but at that point, at that point, it would have been more like, Oh, Oh, if I, if, and they wouldn't have pulled my scholarship if I didn't get all A's, but I'm, I might have thought that way. So it would have been, yeah, I can't, this is an opportunity. I've got this opportunity uh, to be at this great school. And if, if I screw this up, because um, we can't afford it, if I screw it up and they won't pay for me, then I'm really, I'm, you know, the, I would see like the dominoes falling, like the rest of my life. It would just end up, you know, in a certain place that I didn't want to go. So that's that was the fear but i'm sure there was ego involved and other things that came from within me from somewhere you know and weren't just imposed from some other person yeah so your hard work pays off you go you go to yale and you're really educated then you start getting into acting and -hmm. then this is interesting you had a role in chaplin and it seems like on that uh set you had a little bit of epiphany where you kind of realize you're working along these professional movie stars like robert downey jr and anthony hopkins and you thought I can do this. I, I think I can do this. Like, but hadn't you already kind of done it? You'd already had some, some professional acting. Yeah. Um, it was more like, as you say, it was more like seeing people that had been not only in my estimation, but had been uh, spoken of as being great actors or, or movie stars, as you say, I mean, I'd worked as an actor, I was working, but this idea that stars or great actors had this something else uh, was in a lot of people's minds. It's in a lot of people's minds, you know, like uh, charisma or something, some, some thing or some technique or some ability. And when I was working with them, I just saw like, I saw they were good. They were good. They were really good. They were really good. But I didn't see anything uh, impossible that they were doing. I didn't mm. see anything. It wasn't like watching gods. And this, I mean this, I mean this as no disrespect at all. They're no. fantastic actors. But for me, it was really like, yeah, you know, they're taking breaks, they're smoking cigarettes, they're getting lunch, they're going bathroom breaks, they're just, they're just doing their job, you know. And that's all it is, you know, and I can do that too. Yeah. And you do that so well. Um so I just have one X-Files question. I wonder if you could tell this story because I just think it's so cool. The way that you got the role, because you were offered something else, but it was this casting agent, this Randy Stone guy. <laughs> Can you tell this story to my audience about what he said? I think this was so cool. 
Well, Randy Stone, who's deceased, uh, yeah, a man. Yeah. Um, he was a terrific casting director, a very creative guy. And he just, for some reason, he thought I was fantastic. Like, he just thought I was a big star. And I hadn't done anything to prove that. And uh, he really wanted me to do this show, and uh, X-Files. And I had, I had... I had committed to do a, a like a movie of the week, something or other, like a miniseries from another director who I'd met on Twin Peaks when I did Twin Peaks. So it was like a little role, like a couple of days, but it, it it conflicted with the dates of the X-Files. And I had already told this woman that I was going to do her show. <clears throat> so I said um, to my agents, I said, I can't, you know, I can't, I'm, I'm like double booked. I can't do it. I, Cause I, I didn't really want to get on a television show anyway. I thought I'd go mm-hmm. from movie to movie. And, you know, even if the show was successful, I thought, Oh, that's kind of tough. I'm going to have to be on that show forever or for a year or two or 20 or whatever it's going to be. So, um, so Randy said, uh, he said to me, well, first of all, my agents were smart enough to say, fuck you, David. <laughs> It's nice that you're trying to be loyal yeah, uh, and keep your word, but no, that's not going to happen. But Randy said, uh, I'm going to say this to you. I've only said this to one other actor one other time, but if you, you do this job, you have to do this job. And when you do this job, you won't ever need another job again for the rest of your life. And I said, yeah, of course, the show about aliens, right? Yeah. And he said, yeah, I said, who, who is the other person you said that to? And he said, I told that to Woody Harrelson when he was auditioning for Cheers. Oh, that's such a cool story. Yeah. And he was right. The foresight yeah. of that guy. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously that was a successful show. You won a Golden Globe. And mm-hmm. then you go on to win another Golden Globe for Californication. Mm-hmm. I, I love this, though, that what you said, people come up to, to you and say, I'm, I'm the real Hank Moody. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm living that life. And your response is, well, good luck. <laughs> you can't live like that. That's that's yeah. a TV show. And right. I think people forget that because that's so brilliant because it's not like X-Files about aliens. I mean, that seems a little bit more realistic. I mean, but it's got to be fun to play that character and play that fantasy for a little bit, right? Well, yeah. I mean, what was fun about that show uh, was the cast, you know, to be able to work with uh, Natasha and Evan and Pam and Tom Kapanos, the creator. And we had wonderful directors a man named David Von Aiken, who just died a couple days ago at 56, was one of our directed 15 of our episodes. And it's just on my mind. I, I'm sorry to bring it up, but uh, no, I'm sorry to hear that. He was a wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, yeah. So David and Mike Weaver. And um, so anyway, so that was really the joy of of going to work on that set was like trying to like every day I'd go knowing that we were going to try to make something funny. You know, like that. Yeah, was, and you got to direct some episodes of that too. Yeah, right? I would always direct the after the first year, I'd always direct the first or the second episode of the season where I had time to prep it. But um the thing about that show that Tom told me, Tom Kapanos, the creator, he said, This is this is a fantasy of a writer. You know, this is a writer's fantasy that a writer in the world can be as attractive to people as a rock and roll star. You know, like this is this is not real life. There's no world in which a writer walks down the street and he's like, oh, Hank Moody, the writer. Oh, man, I got to get a piece of that. You know, what about Stephen King or uh, the <laughs> like you wrote all the Harry Potter books? I mean, some of those people are 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But, but Hank, not only that, Hank is not like a mass producer writer. He's not, he's not, you know, he's, he's like, a, he's like a David Foster Wallace. He's like an avant-garde a literary, you know, writer. He's not even writing popular books. And yet yeah. still, there he goes. <laughs> That's so cool. I love that show. Um, And I love, this was so brilliant. You decide that <laughs> Hank should uh, learn guitar lessons. Because you wanted to, to learn guitar lessons, and that's so smart. So, is at what point did you decide? Well, gee, at, goes that? back to your goes back to your first question about my scholarship. I'm I was still trying to save money. <laughs> I, I, I knew I could get the free guitar lessons. Oh, you could probably afford them too. Though, I right? could, I could, but old habits die hard, you know. <laughs> so, at what point you did you decide with music in terms of like with acting, where it's like you have you have that moment where you go. I think I can do this. I think I can put out an album and play live shows. That, that was very gradual, that kind of realization, because I I didn't think that I'd write songs. I, I just started picking up the guitar because I, I had time and I thought it would be a nice way to spend time in my trailer in between setups, things like that. Love music, thought I would have fun playing. And then the fact that I started to put chords together and melodies and words. That was a surprise to me. And then I thought, oh, maybe I'll try to record these with my friend, uh, Keaton Simons, who was a great, he's a great uh, singer songwriter. If you get a chance to check him out. Um, he had a garage studio and we recorded like two or three of my first songs just for me, just on the phone, you know, just, huh. but they were songs, you know, I was like, oh my God, I've got songs on my phone. That's all. That's that's a surprise. That's enough for me. I don't need to do anything else. And Brad Davidson, who I work with in music, he heard the songs and he was like, yeah, you know, man, there's something here we should really record. We should really, I was like, an album? I was like, yeah, yeah, an album. You could, album. And I said, well, you can auto-tune me, right? Like that, everybody can <laughs> auto-tune, right? And they were like, nah, you know, it doesn't really work that way. And I was like, yeah, okay, but I'll never play live, you know. It's like, yeah, okay, that's cool. So then that that step was like, oh, okay, get me into the recording booth and have me deal with my fears of singing and all that, my limitations. And then I got beyond that, and then it was like, oh, I'm singing live, okay, now, now I'm singing live, okay, and now I'm cool with that. I'm totally cool with that. So every step of the way has been, if you'd have like smacked me with it right off the bat and said, hey. You're recording now and you're going to go play live tomorrow. I would have said no fucking way. Mm. But because I came into it gradually and I think every step of the way was for the right reason. It was just to kind of see if there was something in the music and the songs that was worthwhile. It wasn't like a vanity project. It was more like, let's see what's here. You know, let's let's keep pushing did you have a, a manager, an agent that you had to talk with about it? Like, I'm just thinking of that scene, a scene in uh, Being John Malkovich, where John Malkovich goes up to his a manager or whatever and says, I want to be a puppeteer. And the guy just goes, okay, you're a puppeteer. And I was like, what? Like, there's no resistance. Did you have resistance from anybody telling you, oh, you shouldn't do this? Confusion. Confusion. Yeah, like, well, I think, I think what happens, and I think what's happened more and more over the past I don't know, 10 years, five years, is everybody's very concerned with branding, you know? Mm. So it's like, oh, this is going to confuse your brand. You know, your brand is actor brand, whatever it is. So 
the response from some people in my life to me writing novels was the same. It was like, oh, well, well, this is confusing. You know, this is, this is diluting. This is diluting. Uh, people are going to think you don't want to act anymore. I was like, well, why, why are they going to think that? What, what? I'm not writing songs about how I'm not going to act anymore. I'm not writing books about how I, I don't understand. So like, you don't understand branding. I said, no, I don't understand. <laughs> In fact, I, I actively will never understand branding. It's, it's my life's mission to never understand branding because that's not what it's about to me. So um, there, there was some confusion, uh, reticence, uh, lack of interest, uh, from some, some people in my life in that way on, on the acting front. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, you, you just decided though, you're going to, you're going to go all in and, and do it mm-hmm. because that's, you're passionate about it. I mean, you clearly love doing this. You've done three albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so let's talk about, yeah. what's that? Oh, I was just going to say, let's talk about, uh, the sound because, you know, when I first d- heard that you had done music, I didn't know you had two other albums. So I go to listen and I'm just like, I'm wondering, like, is this like Michael Jordan trying to play baseball or is this going to, and then I'm kind of like almost mad. Cause I listen and I'm like, Oh fuck, it's good. This is like actually good music. And I'm like, how can you be good at so many things? But I mean, it's just, if people like that uh, vibe of the Lou Reed kind of, uh, uh, but what did my friends say? Your singing style is kind of like a Johnny cash. I don't know if you've heard that Ooh. one before. Cause it's kind of that mid range yeah. storytelling kind of uh, vibe. Yeah, I mean, I am, I'm I'm going to be the product of my limits, you know. Like I, I I'm not going to win American Idol, um, and and so I I have the voice that I have. I've worked hard to to even get to the point where I'm at, where I really feel comfortable performing these songs live. I I I can I can sing them. I can sing them the way they're on the record, pretty much. I mean, I might screw up. I, it, it's certainly possible that the note coming out of my mouth is not the one I had in my head, but in general, I, I feel pretty confident that I will. And, um, I feel that it's just, I don't know. It's just part of the same expression. I mean, I'm just trying to like make things to share that are universal, that, that move people. It's the same when you do a movie or television show, you're trying to entertain in some way that's meaningful. Um, what's more entertaining than music, you know, like it's everybody's soundtrack. So that's how I got there. Yeah. And it, it, but it's different than writing novels or poems Mm -hmm. when you're writing songs, way more collaborative, especially, especially when you, when I'm not Stevie wonder, I can't play the drums, (laughs) bass, sing, uh, and play the piano. I'm not, I'm watching Paul McCartney, Apple show, you know, he plays, you know, he plays drums on one. I was like, what the, I, I, you know, I'm not that guy. So I need, I need all these people. I, without them, there is no sound like that. And then the question becomes what I'm bringing to it after, after I write a song, which I can put together on a guitar, but not perform on an album. Um, the question becomes, what do you want the sound to be as a producer, as an arranger? Then it becomes like, what's the best delivery system? I hate to sound like a, like a scientist, but what's the best <laughs> delivery system for this song? Is it unplugged, stripped down, just me and a guitar? Is it 
loud burying my vocals so you gotta strain to hear those lyrics and you only catch every third one what is it was it do we want horns is that the delivery system here do we want synth is it big is it small and that's fun and then i get to be then i am very experienced because i've been listening to music my whole life even if i haven't been making it i've been listening and i've been listening hard and i I kind of have thoughts about it. You know, I have thoughts about how, what makes songs effective, what makes songs work, what sounds I like. So I get to, you know, play around in that area too. Yeah. And I, like, I love the first song on the album nights are harder these days. Right. It's such a great song. It's so catchy. And I love the harmony with the backing vocals. Is that all your uh, arrangement or did someone no. help out with it? <clears throat> no, I wrote that song. I, I, I wrote the chord progression, which is the riff. I just think it's AED to be honest with you. And, but Pat figured out the riff, which I think is really strong. Mm-hmm. And I said, cause I'd said, I want this to be like have a Neil Young <clears throat> kind of vibe. And after that, no, I didn't arrange those backing vocals. That's Colin and Pat and Mitch. And, uh, but it's certainly something that I want, you know, you know, I wanted that full, oral kind of assault you know <laughs> is that you playing the guitar at the no, end of the solo no, okay. oh god no no no. <laughs> no 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 i'm not being modest i'm really not a good guitar player i i play chords i don't play lead and and uh pat i had said to him yeah you know, going on neil young again because i'd seen neil young in concert when i was young and i saw him like just like fighting with the guitar you know just like wrestling with it and throwing it around and I, and I said, I, I kind of want, I just want that sound of you going head to head with your guitar, whatever that sounds like. Yeah, no, it's, it's great stuff. Uh, like I said, if people like that, I think everyone should just at least take a listen and, and mm-hmm. check it out. I think it's su- surprisingly good. Not that to say that people would expect bad things, but mm-hmm. you know, when you think of actors, you don't know what to expect. Right. Um, this mixed, mixed success, but like, I, I know Kevin Bacon has a band and I saw them live. They're really good. It's, it's yeah. kind of similar music to be honest. Yeah. Is it cathartic writing these songs? Because a lot of it is such a sad vibe, um, but or playing them. Yeah. Uh, very, very different. Uh, uh, writing them is, is somewhat cathartic, but I, I really, I focus on, they're not like confessional songs. I focus on trying to make them uh, universal, you know, like uh-huh. I, I write the song so it's uh, hopefully so that somebody else can put themselves inside the song and have it mean something for their life, you know, uh, that to me, those are the best songs, you know, and I don't necessarily love hearing, you know, that the original lyric to yesterday was scrambled eggs or something, you know, it's like, because I've made that song my own and it's not scrambled eggs, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like that for me. And then, um, but playing live is really joyful. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. even sad parts, uh, even sad songs are somehow somehow joyful. Uh, not that you're laughing through them, but yeah. just the connection is joyful, even if it's over something sad. And that's why I, I love sad songs. I mean, because I, I had an old manager who used to say, you know, you just you listen to suicide music all the time. And I was like, <laughs> I was like no, these it's like a bloodletting. It's like if I feel down 
and I listen to these down songs, it's like I, I come, I get rid of it. I, I okay. there's yeah. something about the connection. Like I'm not alone. Somebody else has felt this or something similar. And that's the way I feel. There's something, even if you're sharing a downer song or a sad song, it's a joyful thing to share it with people who seem to be reacting to it. You know, and they, and if and if somebody cries, it's not they're they're own, they're not they're like tears of joy. They feel like tears of sadness, but they're more. Nobody's truly sad, you know, when they're crying at a song. Hmm. There's a certain kind of joy to it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it, it is cathartic then to 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 play it. It's to get those emotions out and then share it with other people. Yeah. And yeah. see their reactions that their love. I heard it gets kind of wild at some of your shows. Well, that's the thing is I, you know, I like, I move around and, and, you know, I, I think I, I think I decided I wasn't going to like, I, I, I can't, I can't put this entirely over just with my voice. <laughs> so I better like, I better like make this a party. And, and uh, I realized it was interesting because I'd never done anything like perform live in front of either 250 people or 3000 people, which is probably the most that I've done. And you realize that everybody's up there looking at you to, for, for the, you know, what kind of night is it going to be? You know, like, what, what are we doing, Dave? You know, what's up? <laughs> what are we going to do? And it's almost like you're up there, you know, modeling the good time that we're going to have. Like, I'm having a good time. I want you to have a good time. And actually it was it was the first time i was performing live and that would have been to in front of about 250 people and i was standing in a stairwell leading to the stage and the band was already on stage and kind of tuning and getting ready and i would come out last and then we'd start and i was so nervous because this was the first time and as, as i told you i was not um, confident as a singer live especially and I was like, oh, fuck, you know, this is this, this could go really, really bad. I'm just like in the hole. What am I doing? What Crazy am to think I? of you getting nervous about something like. Yeah, I was like, what am I doing? And then I had this thought that because um, I hear the audience, too. And I had I had the thought like they want to have a good time. You know, they didn't come. They're not really thinking about me mm-hmm. the way I'm thinking about me. They. They paid babysitters. They paid money for tickets. They they didn't come here to have a shitty time. They came here to have a good time. So you better not get in their way. The least you can do is get out of their way. <laughs> you know. There you go. And the best you can do is like have a good time with them. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see. A show. I've never seen you perform. Do you will you be touring or doing shows after the? I know that with the COVID restrictions, I don't know. Or right with that, but I mean, every, eventually, every, every, yes, you know that's the hope. I mean, obviously, everything's up in the air right now. Sure, for sure. Well, um, thank you so much for doing this. I like to end each episode with a charity, and uh, I think you work with the uh, the how do I say this? Diodario Foundation, the Dario. guitar yeah. strings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. what do they do exactly? Well, they they raise money to to help. Uh, kids that might not have access to musical instruments or musical education. And, um, you know, they, they, they've done a lot of studies about the importance of, of music 
in in children's lives. That's not it's not just ornamental. You know, it's actually fundamental. And that um, the more music learning that a child or music enjoying learning of the child is exposed to, the 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 greater their achievement on all levels, not just musical. So, you know, music is is a it's like a it's like the bedrock of the brain in many ways, you know. Yeah, and especially with math and stuff, it can really help. I, I talked to one of the, the yeah. bands I like, the singer. He's now he's like a computer engineer, which is like <laughs> fascinating to me. I'm like, how are those two things related? And he oh, said, they're, well, they're about music and math. They're very related. Yeah. 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 Like, isn't um, isn't the guitarist for Queen? Uh, isn't he like a computer scientist too? Brian May. Brian May. Oh, I didn't he, know that. I think he got a PhD. I think he. I think he's gone back as an adult after being in Queen. Yeah. Still being in Queen, but I think he's got an advanced degree in some kind of mathematics. So definitely, definitely. Well, that's that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you get go. You probably have another interview to do. So thank you so much for taking the time. This was a lot thank of you. fun. Thank I you. Appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Okay. Bye bye, David. David Duchovny. His new album is Gestureland. Again, out August twentieth. 2021 if it's past then and it's already out check it out if you like that kind of music i think it's really good i like the emotion in it and uh it's catchy and that always hooks me so also watch out for his new mini series truly like lightning i think it's going to be on showtime and he's also going to be in a judd apatow movie about actors trying to make a movie in a bubble called the bubble so that should be interesting too and make sure to follow David on social media to keep up with all his projects and while you're on there uh, you can give me a follow as well And as always, your comments, likes, and shares on social media really help me out. And also, if you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, that would help me out as well. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers, and I think we're gonna get we're gonna get there at some point. So thank you for all your support. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember to shoot for the moon. Mm